Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Janet Murray, is a podcaster, author, speaker, and one of the UK's leading content marketing experts and specializes in audience growth. I was one of the last guests on her popular 450 episode long podcast. I'm pretty sure I wasn't the reason it ended. And I asked her to come on the show and talk to me about the risk she's taking with content. Hey, Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start with a little bit about your journey for people who are new to you. So my name's Janet, Janet Murray, and my thing is uh, content marketing and audience growth. So what I mean by that is I help people to build online audiences, so get more followers, more fans, more subscribers. And how do we do that? We do that by creating engaging content, the kind of content that people want to come back to, that they want to binge on, that they really love, that they get addicted to. And I've been working in the online space for about five years now. I was a teacher before, then I was a journalist, and this is my my third career. Uh, but that's what I spend my time doing is is helping people to to build audiences and to do that. We there's no way around it. We need to create really engaging content. So I kind of love that you left your podcast like at the height of its popularity, you know, that kind of leave them wanting more. I know I was personally super surprised when you announced it and I'm sure it took like a lot of soul searching and a lot of thinking and a lot of strategy. And before we talk about all the why behind that, I wanted to know what you feel those 450 episodes taught you. Oh, wow. So much. So yeah, I started my podcast back, I think it was in, must have been 2015, and knew nothing about podcasting, just kind of thought, I fancy having a go at this, this seems fun, I like listening to podcasts, and this feels like a good way to reach people. So although I was a journalist before, and I was used to interviewing people, and I was used to creating content, I guess it's a, it's a really different style of content. I was a print journalist, so although I was used to interviewing people, I wasn't used to doing the broadcast type of interview so I had to learn that and it's quite different and when I listened to my first episodes oh my lord I I was just so much better by the end but even then like not not good enough which we might get on to later there's there's some things I think actually I should have worked harder on but I mean I learned about being consistent and what happens when you show up so for me initially it was every week then I went to two episodes a week and then I went back down to one episode a week. But when you show up every week, the average podcast, I think only lasts about two or three episodes. So just merely by the fact that you stick at it and you keep turning up and you keep delivering valuable content and people know what day it is and what time it is and they start to expect it and you become part of somebody's routine. That's the biggest thing that I learned is just huge. You know, if, if you if you keep showing up, then you're already ahead of the curve because a lot of people give up. But the key thing is, it's not about you. It's about adding value. And it's always about what can I give my audience that's going to whatever they need. In my case, they're looking for education and help. In your case, you know, it could be entertainment or it could be inspiration, but whatever it is, if you show up and do it consistently and you add value f- for your audience, then it, you you will be better than most people just because, because you're doing it. 
But the other thing I think I've learned, and it's something I really try and impress upon my clients, is that we have to be a beginner. And if we're not prepared to go and make those first 10 episodes when we sound a bit silly and squeaky and serious, then we're never going to get to the stage where we're a relaxed presenter who doesn't need to rely so much on their notes, uh, somebody who can jump on somebody else's podcast and talk because you're experienced at doing it. But there's so much value in just showing up and doing it and not overthinking it. So many people say they want to start a podcast or a blog or a YouTube channel and they spend so long thinking about how they're going to do it and what's the best platform and what it should be called and how long the episode should be that they never actually do it. So just showing up and doing it, being consistent and adding value and just trying to get better all the time. I think I feel like I should be able to like give you something more more hard hitting, but that is probably the reality. Yeah, I think there's something about podcasting that I don't know whether it's that kind of external deadline to like iTunes and Spotify that makes it different from say a blog that's going on your website in that consistency. So for me, I started a podcast because A, I prefer to talk and B, I could not for years, I could not be consistent in blogging. And when I did blog, it sounded so formal and corporate because that's my background. So I think consistency is a huge lesson from podcasting. Yeah, and people will get in touch. There's been the odd occasion where my podcast has been a little bit late going live for whatever reason, usually my fault because maybe I'm in charge that week and I've forgotten to hit publish on the right bit or something. But but people will email, where's your podcast? I I I get it ready for my run or to walk my dog or to drive the kids to school. And if you can become part of somebody's routine, I mean, that's really, really powerful. So we have the 450 episodes. It's going well. You've got way better than you were at the beginning. People are listening to you and you decide, okay, time for something new, something different. What made you want to change course? Well, it was quite a sudden decision. I'm not somebody, I say it was sudden, but I think it was in the back of my mind for a while and it was kind of niggling at me. Something was niggling at me and I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. But actually when I started my podcast, I had a different specialism. So I was helping people to get press and PR because that sort of made sense with my background in journalism. So I pivoted and actually renamed the podcast twice and people had kind of come with me. I've always felt that just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do. And I felt like it wasn't like I wasn't enjoying it anymore, but I wasn't getting the, maybe the same excitement as I had done in the past because it was the same format. I mean, I hadn't even changed the music since it started or anything like, and I, I felt like I wasn't excited about it in the same way. I wasn't not enjoying it. I still enjoyed doing the interviews. I still enjoyed recording my solo episodes and it was still doing really well, but I kind of thought, well, I could carry on. This is the easy path. I could carry on just creating content that maybe I know that I could be doing better and I know that I could be giving my audience better content but you know why why not why change it because people seem to like it and I was just sat there one day and I, I, I something was really niggling at me and I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on what it was and it was something to do with the podcast and I suddenly thought oh my gosh I don't have to do this anymore like I could actually do it differently and I could just start again and I could revisit it and I could put out something that's 
more fresh, you know, because I've changed in five years. I've changed. My audience has changed the way that I see things. I've worked with so many more clients since then. So I think I understand more about content and, and audience growth. And I understand so much more about what gets in the way of it. And I kind of felt, I felt like I could, I could do this better. So why not, why not just give it a bit of a break and come back with, with something, something new. So yeah, it wasn't like a big sort of strategic thing, which I'm sure if Diane was doing it, it might be more strategic, <laughs> but it was just a kind of gut thing. And as soon as I decided, I rang my friend, my one of my business sort of best friends and, and said, hey, I've had this idea. I'm going to end my podcast. And she was like, great, that sounds like a really good thing to do. We chatted about it for a few minutes. I thought about it and I spoke to my team and then we kind of put a bit of plan into action as to when we were going to end it and how we were going to do it. And and that was it. But yeah, I'm a big believer in just not carrying on doing something just because you can. And and you can get lazy with your content as well, I think. And I think it's dangerous. Like if you get to the stage where, hey, it's doing okay. And, you know, nobody's complaining really. But I, I think that's a dangerous place. So I felt I, I wanted to quit before people started saying, eh, that's not as good as it was before. Or, you know, I, I felt like... I, I could do better. And that's it. Does that kind of make sense? Totally, totally. I think for me, when I'm listening to you do it, I, like, you're right. I wouldn't need to know, okay, so what am I going to do instead? And what is that going to look like? And how am I going to like, what are my like 17 backup plans for this decision? But content wise, it's kind of what you're known for is taking that risk, trying that new thing while other people are still thinking like, what are the 17 different ways I could think about this? You've already done the new thing. So where does that oomph or courage or I'm trying to think of another word for it, but like that ability to just go, okay, I've made a decision, I'm happy with it, and I'm going to try this new thing. Is it an experience thing? Is it a personality thing? Can we learn it? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I'm not even sure that I know the answer. I've always been quite impulsive and I've always been able to make decisions really quickly. That can be a bad thing. I was diagnosed last year with ADHD and one of the symptoms is impulsivity so you could say it's a bad thing because sometimes I make decisions very quickly and I make bad decisions quickly but I found that when it's business related and I, I find I, I don't tend to I don't tend to make the same kind of mistakes I think in life I can make quite impulsive decisions which can be quite destructive but in business I, I tend to have this gut instinct and I go with it and I guess that's entrepreneurialism because if you don't have that kind of gutsy like this I've got this idea, I just want to make it happen. You know, that is part of being an entrepreneur for lo for lots of people. And and I do think that everybody could learn to be a bit more courageous. I think I'm, I'm not suggesting that everybody could learn to just blow things up like I tend to do. Because <laughs> I've also like, I've I've this week I've ended my Facebook page and started a new Facebook page. Uh, I was writing a daily email for a year. I finished that as well. So I am consistent, but I, I'm not, I won't sort of flog a, not even a dead horse, but if I feel that the, the horse is even kind of like ailing slightly, I'll be like, right, let's move on to the next thing. But I, I think, I think you can learn to be more courageous. I don't, I'm not sure that everybody could learn to be that courageous. And I'm not always sure it's, it's the right thing and it also comes with experience as well because I have I've walked away from many things before and I know from experience that it's okay uh, and it's okay not to have a, a fully fleshed out plan so 
yeah, it's a really interesting question. I'm not 100% sure I know the answer. It could be that impulsivity. It, it could be that. But it, but it, and I think it, I have got the kind of personality where I don't need to know the details. And I imagine you might well be the opposite. I mean, I could often do with a few more of the details. <laughs> you know, it's like I could do with probably like half of you. But I, I can make, I can just make a decision and not know the details and figure them out afterwards. I think everybody could probably benefit with being from being a bit more like that. And I think it's a muscle you can practice. So like, you know, when people say that they're scared about content or a particular type of content, I'd never say just, you know, just go in there and do something really ballsy. Like I'd be like, well, try this first. And then once that feels comfortable, you can up the ante. So yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's something that you can practice and get better at. I'm not sure you can go from being like not courageous at all. And the other thing about courage with content is that I guess we're all different and I ran a challenge recently, an Instagram Reels challenge, where I was getting people to make them for the first time. And I was saying, look, you know, for me, what feels like courage to me is very different. And what feels like courage can feel very different in your business journey. So for some of my clients, just making a reel, even if they're not in it, you know, that is a massive thing for them. For somebody else, it might be showing their face. For somebody else, it might be you know, doing a trend and, you know, risking people laughing at them or saying oh she's too old to do that or whatever so I think we're all at different stages and what feels like courage to all of us is probably going to feel quite different but I think we can all benefit from pushing ourselves a little bit further than we think we can go if that makes sense thinking of like your reels the two that always stick in my mind are your kind of greatest showman reel <laughs> yeah and then every now and then I'll see a reel and I'm like Janet are you on your coffee table like <laughs> what, is, what is going on here so I do think people will look at your content and think that's super courageous I don't know if I can get into my garden in a greatest showman outfit <laughs> even my most extrovert <laughs> friends would probably have some some kind of reservation. So for those of us who are more nervous and want to take some of those baby steps, how do we figure out where that limit is for us and then what the starting point is? So again, this is one of the reasons for changing up the podcast because I think my understanding of what gets in the way has changed a lot the more people I've worked with and the more I've, I've understood. And so I guess the first thing would be to think out what is it that's stopping you? So sometimes it can be about tech. I mean, I had a client who said to me that she didn't make Instagram stories. I made this little video where at the beginning of it, I swiped the date away and she was like, oh my gosh, like you have just changed my life because I haven't made Instagram stories because I didn't know how to swipe the date away. And so sometimes it can be the tech. So, it, so it's like, what is the problem here? Is it the tech? Is it that you're worried about what people think is it that you're you know you're worried about judgment you're worried that people might laugh at you they're the most sort of common things is it that you think almost like you're too good for it there's so many different things that are going on and I think just have I've seen particularly with reels where people are like you know it's almost like it's this sort of cheap form of entertainment and I'm better than that and I know that probably covers up insecurities underneath possibly but I think it's really understanding like what it what it is what's the problem for you so for some people it really is about being nervous and it's about getting on camera for some people it's the tech so it's thinking well what do I need to help me make the next step for some people it might be with the tech you need you need help with it you know it might be that you're, you're just unsure how to make the thing if it's about feeling nervous um 
I would always suggest just baby steps. So an example that comes to mind is I had this client called Zoe, who was a, an artist and she was very character and she wanted to do video, but she was terrified. And I said, well, just show your hands, you know, so could you do some sketching? She was a fashion illustrator. Could you just sketch and show us, show us, you know, what you're doing? And she did that to start with. And she did a little bit more, a little bit more. And then one evening I was on Instagram and this live just popped up and there was Zoe selling her paintings, talking to camera. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like I would never have expected this. But I think sometimes it's a little bit of just baby steps. You don't have to show your face to start off with. Um, what is it that you would feel comfortable to do? Sometimes it's about accountability. So these challenges are quite good because everyone else is having a go. Then you know, and I think it's, again, it comes back to understanding yourself, what motivates you. Like I'm quite goals orientated. I'm quite competitive. So if I wanted to do something that was challenging me, it would probably motivate me. So I'm interested, Diane, what do you think is, gets in the way for you when you think about doing those scary things? <laughs> I think it's interesting because I'm really not a video person. Like it's just not my happy place. But I think because I get super in my own head about like, oh my gosh, like that my hair looks funny or the background looks funny or the lighting's off. And, and when you said I'm super competitive, for me, I'm the same. I'm super competitive. So if it can't be perfect, then I'm like, but interestingly, I can remember my very first podcast episode because someone was saying to me the other day, I really want to do a podcast, but I hate the sound of my voice. And or they wanted to do podcast interviews. And I said, well, when I did my very first podcast interview, the day it came out, like literally I was refreshing the like Apple app until it loaded because you and I are in the UK. So we get it sooner. And then I had to quickly listen to the whole episode to make sure I hadn't made some like massive blunder in it and then got all caught up in my voice. But now I don't even think about it. I edit myself speaking twice a week. And so I think for me, what gets in the way for me is always the starting. I intensely dislike the beginner phase of anything. I like things to be smooth and perfect. And so when you have to learn all of those new little bits, it's frustrating. And I think people are like, oh, just do a story. It's 24 hours. And I'm like, but it's 24 hours of just... <laughs> what if it's not you know <laughs> the best story or the funniest story or whatever mm. so I think for me it is it's the perfectionism mm. of the starting phase that really gets in the way of not basically not wanting to look like a twit yeah, at the yeah. beginning I think yeah I think a lot of people and particularly successful people I find this who people who've been maybe very successful in a corporate career and then they come into the online space and they're often perfectionists but also they're like terrified about Larry from from you know their old firm seeing them and, and 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 you know it sometimes happens that people in corporate world they don't understand what you're doing and they're like what are you doing getting on Facebook live and like you know so I think you do have to you, ha you have to kind of get your head around that a bit but I'm interested to know what got you moving with the podcast um Diane so how did you get past your perfectionism with the podcast? Uh, a couple of things. I think one was just a need. Like I knew I was not getting consistent content out and that continuing to just kind of try and blog was me just bashing my head against a wall. It was making me unhappy. It wasn't helping my business. And then I was in a kind of podcast setup group program and they essentially bribed us that if we launched by the 1st of September, everybody who 
launched, the people who were running, who had big audiences, would share our podcasts with their audience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, cost-benefit analysis, that was just, it was a no-brainer. And I was up and running without even really thinking about it. I had a deadline and a bribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so you know, don't get me wrong, when COVID hit, I had a Facebook Live series that I did with people. Mm -hmm. I went on my friend's Instagram, no problem. She had like, I don't know, 80,000 followers before we went live. I was like, oh, just don't think about it. Don't think about it. So it's almost for me, like if there's a necessity, I'll risk sucking at it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, one thing I, I'd say for anyone who feels the same, because what you're saying is so familiar like you it, mm -hmm. I've heard people say very similar before is well you do you need to do video maybe you don't and maybe that's something you don't have to worry about because you are producing regular content like just because everybody else is doing reels or whatever doesn't mean that you have to do it but if if, if you could see that there was a reason that you need it's just plugging into you know if there was some reason where you thought you know what I really do need to do this I, I, for someone like you I'd be like okay let's just yeah, let, let's kind of find that compelling reason and the deadline and the competition or whatever it is that, that motivates you to, to get you to do it. It's interesting because I was chatting to some other, I think it was on a clubhouse or something, some business owners about this. And they were saying things like, um, actually just having to put makeup on and, you know, or, or just get yourself ready that we had a whole debate then about should you wear makeup on video and some people felt strongly that you shouldn't but some people felt they felt that they shouldn't but actually they felt that pressure too and like this led to this whole massive discussion but for some people it's about the tech just the, not the tech itself but the tech setup so like one thing that I've done is I've got a second phone now set up on a tripod so that if I'm making excuses, oh yeah, but I've got to set my tripod up and I've got to do this and my actually having the equipment but having it set up in the right place to do it just to making it like really really easy I think you strike me as the kind of person Diane that if you really wanted to do it and you had a need to do it you would just do it and you could totally do it. it it's just that there isn't that that need there for you it's like you need a purpose you, you need to understand why you're doing it for and you would you would do it great I think but I resonate hard with the like hair and makeup thing because I'm a curly girl so it's not like I wake up in the morning and have to brush my hair there are limited days in the week where my hair is like not in a messy bun yeah kind of thing and maybe there is a bit of just hey like that is very much a part of my brand you know I am at events and hoodies and jeans and converse so maybe there is that element but that's a really I think useful excuse <laughs> yeah in that like oh I'll do a reel tomorrow when I've done my hair and makeup and one of my friends said to me well why don't you batch your reels you're the queen of batch everything yeah, yeah. so why don't you do makeup once a week and I, we've still not got there so <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure it's a valid excuse but it's an excuse <laughs> but, but I, I, I do think like that process that you're going through is, is and thinking about well, what's holding you back and if you did want to do that what are the things you would need to do so for you it would probably would be batching wouldn't you know because you're a good batcher and you have proved that you can batch successfully podcasts and that would make sense but the, yeah the whole the whole thing for me is just looking at like what what really is going on but also for someone like yourself it might be about having structure so this challenge that I ran I actually gave people pretty much templates to follow to make the reels because that can be part of the problem as well is that you know so it's like okay so in the first how many seconds you do this the second you know and, and I'm not I wouldn't advocate that everybody does that all the time but when you're first getting started sometimes what's holding you back is actually just well I don't really know what to do and is that good is that good or is that good or is that good and and but actually for some for a business like yours I mean 
we're kind of going off the courageous thing but no we're not really are we because we're talking about the things that get in the way of people creating content but like people are obsessed by systems like and so I have clients who often say well who'd want to see a reel of mine because I just sit at my desk and I do spreadsheets or I you know I do but actually people love seeing that there's somebody I follow called Vanessa Lau and she does puts all her content on Airtable I don't know if you use Airtable but um people love it like just looking at how she puts her content plan together like someone like you I'd be like fascinated just to see your content plan and to see some of your organization and you wouldn't need to put your face on that video which would solve your hair and makeup problem as well like you could just do like a let me show you how I do something really well <laughs> people love yeah. that kind of stuff you know let me show you how I organize my week or my day or whatever you know you, you could not even put your face on video at all you know so maybe maybe my like next podcast batching day becomes like a like a mini time lapse yeah real for people to see like all the things that go into it yeah yeah but I would actually love to see the documents that you create as well because I bet you they're better than mine (laughs) and you don't have to (laughs) want to see all my automations from when someone applies to how it zaps into the google doc for show notes yeah that's the kind of thing people like I mean you don't want to give away all your secrets but people love that kind of they geek out on that kind of stuff and so uh, sometimes I think it's when people are thinking about being courageous, they're thinking always, that, oh, it has to be me talking to camera. But actually, there are lots of other ways to create really engaging content. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's like find out what it is that's really stopping you because it probably will be quite individual to you and, and think about what have you, what have you, what's worked for you in the past, you know, to get it, to get you to create content and see if you can, find that it's really funny because I didn't used to like video like believe it or not I used to hate video but I really like the real format and I like I like live video because I like the fact that you don't have to get it perfect and in fact being able to cope with it not being perfect is is a skill in itself you know it's like doing radio or tv but I found that when I used to record youtube videos I, I just didn't like myself on them because I was so tense and like you know and and the real format I love because you're having to to it's a challenge to get in a very short 30 seconds or a minute for TikTok you have to get a lot across you know a lot of uh, across a lot of information and I I really like the challenge of that and I like the more rough and ready side of it so some of it I mean this is what I've talked to my clients about is you don't have to do what everyone else is doing and part of it is about finding the right platform for you the right way to create content just because I have clients who obsess for years, like, should I do a podcast or YouTube? doesn't matter. What one can you stick to? <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, but, oh, but isn't YouTube better? Well, it doesn't matter. They've both got, you know, they've both got really great qualities. Having a blog has got a great quality. But like you found with yours, Diane, if you can't stick to a blog for whatever reason, but you can stick to a podcast, do a podcast, you know. So, so yeah, I think, I think they're the sort of key things to have a think about but it's really interesting a lot of people think it's about being introverted or extroverted I'm actually quite an introverted character but I like Which no one would believe <laughs> no, I'm, I am introverted very like but I just like prancing around I like performing arts like so you know I'm that quiet person who comes to life on stage kind of thing so it works for me but you know, a lot of people are never going to do that or never want to do that. And I think that's fine as well. Like not thinking you've got to create the content. And this is, I guess, part of my new, you know, new 
courageous content thing is you know being courageous enough yeah to say no like everyone's doing that but I don't want to do that it's fine you know so yeah there's there's many aspects to it but hopefully that's a few ideas (laughs) and I think it's also for me I want to show up on content in a way that's recognizable as me so what I found when I was blogging is if people had read my blog and then they met me you've got this very kind of more formal corporate style and then you meet me in jeans and a hoodie and converse with my wild hair normally cracking up laughing at the back of an event and there's this kind of jarring motion which is then doesn't make people trust you mm-hmm. and I find when I try to do video because I'm trying so hard to make it perfect that then when you meet me it's a completely different mm. vibe you know, from me in in a small group versus in front of a big group. So I think there's that element to it as well, is me wanting to make sure that whatever I'm producing is very recognizable as me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is is important, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about courageous content and what direction Janet Murray is taking in the new world. So I guess I used to be one of these people that was like, because I'm quite hardworking and if I want to do, I'm not saying that other people aren't by the way, but because I'm just like, my natural inclination is to kind of work 20, 20 hours a day and I don't know where I get it from, but it's just like, oh, well, if you want something hard enough or if you want something enough, you can just work for it and you can just, just get there. And I think when I first got online and I was seeing people trying to create content build their audiences and struggling and people were saying oh I've got imposter syndrome or I've got this going on or I've got people pleasing syndrome I think I was I hate to admit it a little bit eye-rolly like oh for god's sake just get on with it and do the work because you know I was a journalist and it was my job to create content I couldn't say I had writer's block or that I wasn't feeling it I just had to show up and do the work but the more people that I've worked with over the years I have to admit I guess I was wrong and I, I think But I certainly think that it's not an excuse, but I think people's emotions play a much bigger part in how they show up online or don't than I think I, I think I underestimated how important that was and and how much could get in the way and how much courage, you know, how much being courageous in your content. And, and there was a kind of defining moment where one of my guests on my podcast, it was quite a few years ago, sort of turned the tables on me and was coaching me and said, I think that what you do is, yeah, you teach people how to create engaging content and you teach people how to build audiences, but what you really teach people how to do is to be courageous because you you get out there and you do it, you get on the new platforms, you you're, you lead and, and you, other people follow and, and you're not afraid to give something a go, to try something, to to give things up but you also encourage other people to do the same and you try and make it easy for them you try and give them templates or encouragement or whatever it is that they need to to do it and so it was really about just time and time again I was just having conversation after conversation with people where I was like you you have everything you need to do this so why aren't you doing it and it's it's emotions it was lack not lack of courage so much but sort of because that sounds negative but needing to be a bit more courageous and just needing to somebody almost to give you a push off the side mm-hmm. just to kind of go come on like just 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 do it just go for it and so that's really where it it came from and so I'm not going to be so I'm going to be changing the format a little bit I'm still going to be answering a lot of the questions and 
my podcast previously was, you know, really practical marketing advice and uh, content advice that people could apply in their business. Still want to do a lot of that. But I also want to be a bit more courageous myself. So in some of the episodes that I've got mapped out, I want to talk about things or say things that I maybe I've wanted to say, but haven't wanted to say for fear of offending people myself or for fear of other people disagreeing with me and I'm usually fairly comfortable because that's a whole other conversation we could have but I think another thing that really holds people back with content is being worried that people um disagree will disagree with you but the trouble is if you're creating content where no one ever disagrees with you then your content is just (laughs) yeah whatever people you know if no one ever says oh I'm not sure about that or like why do you think think that or even just strongly disagrees like your content is generally probably not landing with anybody and you're not really making an impact with your content so really started much of a conversation then yeah because with anyone it, yeah because if you know it's not about being deliberately controversial or provocative but if nothing you ever say if no one ever comes along and says well you know I, I'm not sure about that like could you do it like this or you know is that right you're probably not making any impact at all and if you're creating content that's not it's not connecting with anybody emotionally they're you know they're not driven by anything you say or do then it's kind of a bit of a waste of time and I don't want people to waste their time with content so so I I, I've sort of given myself almost this mission to so some of the episodes I guess will be a little bit edgier and I will be saying some of the things you know I'm generally fairly fearless about saying what I think but there are certain things I might have held back up about a little bit sort of the marketing advice and talking about particular products or services or whatever for fear of offending or saying the wrong thing but I'm like well no actually I think I'm going to be a bit more courageous um but the other thing is that I feel that a lot of it's easy when you have a podcast in the marketing or business space to kind of just roll out the same old interviewees like that everybody's heard and you're like oh yes this person I've heard them or whatever and I I I I think we've all become a lot more conscious about being more diverse and looking for new voices and not just rolling out the same people. But I I think often the best content creators, the people that I look at and think, wow, you are just brilliant. I've learned so much from you. They are not in the business or marketing space. They're often just people who've got on Instagram or TikTok and they've just like been like, hey, I just want to create this content because I think it's fun. And then they, they, they get feedback from their audience and then they say, oh, this seems to be working so I'll do more of this and 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 then they grow this massive platform and all they did was just show up and do really what great content is about they they the time to understand their audience and to create content that resonated with them and to get better and better at it the other thing you mentioned it earlier Diane it's this is a real problem but for, for lots of people is is being prepared to be a beginner I found myself saying so many times over the last like few months to people look when you start a business what makes you think that you're going to be an expert at creating content unless you were doing that in your previous job like people get paid to create content like for brands and for companies you know they they even do degrees in it so what makes you think that you would start a business and you would automatically know how to create really amazing content for your Facebook page or Instagram like what would make you think you know there's you don't expect to be amazing at other things in your business but I think with content it's actually having the courage to say okay well I haven't done this before or I haven't done much of it then I need to give myself a bit of time I need to be prepared to fall on my face and maybe make a few mistakes so it's also trying to provide if that kind of makes sense that's a more supportive environment for people because I do think there's an expectation sometimes like 
okay, I've started a business and I'm going to post some stuff on Facebook and I've never done anything like this before. Oh, why is nobody responding? What's going on? But actually you need to learn it and you need to get to grips with it. So, so it's about, I hope that kind of makes sense. It's more about trying to get under the skin of, you know, what this stuff is really about and to help people move past some of their, their blocks, which we've kind of talked about already, really. Yeah. Kind of like what's holding you back. Mm. And then they can go back and listen to the 450 episodes on <laughs> yeah, how to build yeah. their audience, yeah. you know. Yeah, I always think one of my favorite pieces of feedback that I get on the podcast is, oh, I, I'm so pleased you introduced me to this person. Like you said, it's often the same names. And so I'm excited when somebody meets somebody new on my podcast. But I can already see that in the, what, six months or whatever that I'm doing it, how much easier it's got for me to do everything. And so there is a part of me that's, okay, how do I stretch this? How do you find that next step? How do you push that boundary once you are comfortable doing something already? Mm. Yeah. And something I've identified only recently, and this is the thing that we're always developing and growing as content creators, but it, it kind of occurred to me there's like four phases to growing an audience. So like the first phase is consistency. We talked about at the beginning, like just showing up and doing it every week or day or whatever. The second phase is about engagement. So, okay, so now I'm doing it regularly. How the heck do I get somebody to respond to me? Because if you can't get somebody to respond, they're not going to buy from you. The next stage is about growth. Okay, so I'm creating consistent consistent content. People are engaging with me. They're talking back to me. So how do I get more of these people? And then the next stage is like the conversion stage. And so I've started to identify this kind of like these four these four stages and to kind of look at it as your sort of content journey as being this one stage it's like you're saying supporting people through the next stage okay and you through this stage like okay what what most people get stuck at right at the beginning the consistency like I'm doing it regularly so what why is why is my business not exploding and so it's almost to try and support people to say look hey there are some stages here and you're probably going to hit some tricky bits and like you say Diane like you're going to need to stretch yourself but you might not necessarily know what it is you need to do to stretch yourself so what can we do at each stage to to kind of get better so yeah so so there's that kind of you know I'm understanding almost like what I'm teaching more and getting more sophisticated in how I understand it and and then I'm able to communicate it so I'm still going to do all the real practical tactical stuff but like you said about introducing new people like I feel like that as well as like you know, I listened to somebody else's podcast, I heard an interview with you and I was like, oh, that's really good. I'm going to just reach out to this person and say, you know, come on my podcast. I'm not sure that all podcasters do that, like listen to other people's content, like look for new talent. And I know there's been times when I'm busy, when you fall into the habit, oh, well, I know that person and I could just ask them, that would be really easy. But again, I'm almost pushing myself to be courageous enough to actually to ask some people on my podcast I think oh no they never say yes to me but you know I'm going to ask them anyway so it's about yeah for me it's about like just pushing yourself to the next stage and seeing seeing what else there is there because I think we've all got a little bit more in us I think 
I think the community aspect of that will be really interesting because one of the things that is the hardest about starting a podcast and anybody who starts a podcast will tell you is you produce four episodes and they're out there and like 20 people have listened to them and 15 of those people are your friends who have downloaded them because you stood over them while they did it. And that kind of growth is so slow and you do have that Facebook lives, Instagram lives, only two people are watching. Mm. Why should I bother? And for me, the thing that got me over the hump was a friend started a brand new podcast in a market he knows nothing about at the exact same time as me. And he would tell me his download numbers. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm on track. This Mm. is where it's supposed to be. And I think having that space that you're creating where people can be like, oh, it's normal for this to feel scary. It's normal for this to feel hard. It's normal for this to not get the same engagement as the thing that I've been doing for three Mm. years, I think is more and more important as more and more things go online. And so do we know when that podcast is starting? By the time this goes live, because you're so well organized, it will probably definitely be live by then. And I've got a new website coming. I've been having photos taken today for a new website and brand and yeah blowing up quite a lot of things in 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 my business for a bit of a new start oh I'm very excited to see where all of this is going to go so before we finish up I always like to ask my guests a couple of questions number one what is your lifestyle boundary for your business my personal Facebook, people message me like randomly to ask me questions or to ask about working with me, all sorts of different things on my personal Facebook. And although it's tempting because they're potentially clients or customers, I do have a Facebook page and I do have a website and an email. And so I don't answer people. And it, it sometimes pains me a little bit, but I, I've actually put a big sign up on my personal Facebook that says, this is my personal Facebook, because I feel like I, I've got loads of business friends on my on my business Facebook, but on my personal Facebook, but that is my space for family and friends, and that's that's my boundary. Yeah, I have a very similar one with my personal Facebook. If we haven't met online or in person in some way, and you send me a friend request, it's not happening. Mm, yeah, like yeah, I have Instagram. You can message me on LinkedIn. You can email me, but I also have that kind of hard boundary on my personal Facebook. We have so little, I think, that is our real estate these days. Exactly. I mean, I'm you know my phone's pinging all day, all different platforms. It it can get really overwhelming, but I think you know, that is my space for my friends and family and any business friends that I choose to to allow into that space. But it can feel hard, even if somebody's asking about working with you. I find that really tough. But I think no, because yeah. I don't you know if somebody does become a client, I don't want them messaging me on my personal Facebook all the time asking me questions and stuff you know and I do have quite you know if I'm working with people coaching I we always have really clear boundaries and members like what the working hours are um if there is any one-to-one or any email order how much time and you know so but but I find people will try and push push that and if they want to get hold of you it's the personal Facebook they'll go for <laughs> and yeah I, if that's yeah. how they've reached you in the past yeah. you've taught them that you're available in yeah. that way for sure so that's my that's my big my big boundary yeah and finally what's the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur it's not one piece of advice as such but I talk about this quite a lot so when I was first getting online I wanted to launch online courses and memberships as many people do one to many I remember um buying a blueprint from a very famous blueprint that everybody was using at the same time you might know the one I mean and there was absolutely nothing wrong with this blueprint it's great it it was a great process and I'm sure it worked really well for people but 
you know, I've launched my first course and I sold 13, which was not like, you know, I was expecting to make tens of thousands of pounds and, you know, I was quite far off. And I think it's, it's, it's not a piece of advice almost, but it's almost a whole culture that prevails, which is this idea that you or I could rock up online after doing something else for how many years, and we could get the same results as somebody who's been doing it for donkey's years, has a team behind them, has a million dollar business, um, has money to invest in Facebook ads and all that stuff, and thousands of followers, a massive audience, that's a crucial thing as well. And so it's not one individual piece of advice, but I think there's a lot of gurus and people out there who they neglect to mention that until you've basically that, you know, the million pounds launch strategies are not going to work when you've just got online last week and uh, you have 200 followers on your Facebook page or whatever, like you've got to put the work in and you, you can't fast track that bit. And so I would just caution anyone not to fall for that stuff. Yes, there's some good stuff in there, but you can't use year 10 strategies in year one of your business is basically what I'm getting at. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with that more. I always say to people, unless you want to be the exact same person in the exact same circumstances and from the exact same starting point, you can't just take the exact same steps. Mm, yeah. Because you also don't know anything about behind the scenes of their personal life. No. You know, they could be like me who doesn't have a partner or kids to worry about and you're at home with somebody who's got a full-time job mm -hmm. and three kids who are being homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So I do think that's a very pervasive myth in our business and I'll call it a myth because that's polite. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Oh. Well, this has been such a fun interview. Thank you so much. I am excited to listen to the new podcast. Where is the best place for people to connect with you? So my website, janetmarie.co.uk, but Instagram is where I hang out the most. It's at janmarieuk, and that's usually the best place to connect. And it's really nice if you've listened to this interview. It's always nice. I'm sure Diane would say this. If you tag us both in and let us know that you've listened, it's always really nice to, to hear how people found you and if you know if you're a new person who didn't know about me before that's great you know to, to connect that way and definitely go check out the greatest showman reel <laughs> if, you, if you're just scrolling you'll spot it I yeah promise. you can't miss it yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah. thank you so much janet thanks so much for having me it's been a really really enjoyable chat thank you if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review